0: Philadelphia, whoo, I'm going to tear you down. Pensacola, Florida, when I get to town, we're going to treat all you women, whoo, the way women ought to be treated. Because the NWA and some real men are going to take that civic center apart and then we are all going to be over a rodeo, whoo, driving the women wild. Miami Beach, get ready, whoo. We are on tour, and we're doing it better than anybody else alive. Now, Buddy Landell, it's so hard for me to sit back here in this studio looking at a guy out here hollering my name when last year I spent more money on spilled liquor in bars from one side of this world to the other than you made. You're talking to the Rolex-wearing... Diamond ring wearing, kiss stealing, woo, wheeling dealing, limousine riding, jet flying, son of a gun, and I'm having a hard time holding these alligators down.
1: <laughs> oh yeah! His very first move as the executive was to sign Lamar Odom, who was on crack!
0: You're listening to the sports Hey, this is
2: reduced Lunch Sports, man. Come on, now.
1: Hey, bro, you listening to the Sports Desk? The
0: Sports Desk. What? what did you do in camp? I think I got my swagger back.
2: Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back to another episode of the Reduced Lunch Action Sports News Desk. I am your mans one more time, Desiree L. Hicks Jr. And your boy is solo today. Black couldn't be with us today, man, but your boy's going to hold it down. Half of one of your favorite sports sportsologists, man, episode 109. So we got a lot we're going to get into today. Won't be your regular two-hour show because I'm holding it down for the squad. But we're going to go through some really interesting topics that went down in the sports world uh, this past week. And, man, uh, just looking forward to it, man. Got some things to get off my chest, man. We're going to talk a little NCAA tournament to start off the show. We're going to talk some WrestleMania. We're going to talk some uh, Los Angeles Lakers, of course. We're going to talk Russell Westbrook versus Stephen A. We're going to talk about uh, NFL Pro Days that took place. We're going to go to Alabama. We're going to go to Florida. We're going to go to Ohio State. And uh, we're going to get into some other news, man. And I am going to get out of you guys' ear. But uh, like I said, hope everyone is doing well. But let's go ahead and kick off the show, man. So, wow. That NCAA tournament, man, this year's NCAA tournament has been a lot of fun. You had a lot of teams that, you know, made some noise and stated they claim and tried to make a push. And me and Black said that this would probably be the year that a lower, not a lower level school, but a Loyola Marymount and, uh, um, uh, you know, the, the, the Cinderella schools that get, uh, coverage each and every year Coming into the dance And they call it March Madness for a reason And an unlikely Cinderella this year Of uh, the UCLA Bruins The 11-seeded Bruins uh, Fought and fought and fought to get to the Final Four When they went up against the number one team in the country The undefeated Gonzaga Bulldogs And man, what an instant classic That we all witnessed The Zags getting it done in OT 93-90 But I must say this was probably the best college basketball game that I had seen in quite some time. And reason being, we had at least 20 different lead changes. We had thrilling moments late in the second half, thrilling moments in overtime, a last-second buzzer beater to win the game for the Zags. And it was just everything you could ask for and then some. And we only hope that the national championship game is on that level or even uh, even better than that as his ass get ready to take on uh, Baylor for the national championship on Monday night. But I want to say these kids, for Gonzaga, man, they've been undefeated. They've been dealing with pressure all year long. And for them to remain undefeated, going into a title game, playing against the second best team in the country, because Gonzaga and Baylor came in number one, And they came in number two to start the season, and they were scheduled to play earlier in the year, but that just didn't go down due to COVID. And it's ironic that the basketball gods aren't going to let those two teams get away without playing. So even though you might have wanted a Loyola Marymount or Iona or a small school like that to make it to the title game, I think I can speak for everybody that's going to be paying attention to uh, this year's national title game. You're not upset that you have the two best teams all year long playing for the national championship in Gonzaga and uh, Baylor. And it's been a pretty good tournament. Very good tournament. A lot of moments. um, Teams that advance further than we expected to your typical March Madness. But in the end, we're going to get us a heavyweight bout for the national title. And again, what a game. Shout out to the UCLA Bruins. They left it all on the line and then some guts, heart, blood, sweat, and tears from the Bruins. You got to think it's going to catapult them to have a tremendous season next year. And with them getting so close uh, to playing for a title, you got to thank any of those kids that are coming back, the head coach that will be back next year, that they'll get opportunity opportunity uh, to possibly play in that title game. But looking forward to Gonzaga and Baylor playing for the national championship. All right, man, so another topic, man, to open up the show, uh, Larry Fitzgerald, man. It, it seems like all reports uh, that are out there is that Larry Fitzgerald is getting ready to retire. And I want to give my thoughts and my feelings on Larry Fitzgerald, in my opinion, the most obvious, underrated football player ever that's right even though Larry Fitzgerald is great even though Larry Fitzgerald has broke many records has been consistent has has just been a model for what you um, for what a great NFL player should be and it seems like Mr. Fitzgerald is going to call it a day after I believe it's 17 years in the National Football League and still regarded, in my opinion, as one of the most underrated players. And here's why I say that. When you look at Larry Fitzgerald, who came out of the University of Pittsburgh, who grew up as a ball boy from the Minnesota Vikings, and he's seen Chris Carter and Randy Moss and Andre Reid and those guys do their thing as a youngster, and he, and he mimicked that. And he put in the work and he got the opportunity to come out of the Pittsburgh um, and went to the National Football League and Arizona Cardinals. The only team that he ever played for year in and year out. His name was at the top of the list year in and year out. He was regarded as the best wide receiver in football, but he didn't get the coverage. The appreciation for Larry Fitzgerald is criminal. And I know it has something to do with him playing for a losing organization in the Arizona Cardinals. Even though that one season the Cardinals went to a Super Bowl and they were so, so, so close uh, for Fitzgerald to get a Super Bowl ring and he never returned. He had an opportunity to make the playoffs a couple of times, but it just didn't pan out. But I want to say when we speak the name uh, Randy Moss, when we speak the name Jerry Rice, Terrell Owens, Michael Irvin, uh, uh, the great. Wide receivers of our time We speak these guys name We should speak Larry Fitzgerald And people say Larry Fitzgerald Is a top 5 receiver I'm not so sure he's not up there with Randy Moss. I'm not so sure. Sh- I am so sure that he is up there, Randy Moss. Excuse me. I am so sure that he's up there with Jerry Rice. But when you, got, when you look at the consecutive 1,000 yard seasons ever since he entered the league back in 2004, this man went on a run as just being exceptional. I mean, he has at least 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9 1,000 yard seasons, a couple of hundred. Uh ball catches uh seasons in, in in his uh career. And I think it's I think it's criminal that he's not celebrated like Moss and he's not celebrated like Jerry Rice. He's not celebrated as Terrell Owens. And we know antics bring you popularity a la tarot owens a la randy moss but what about the guys who work hard what about the guys who wake up every morning grab their bags get to work work hard stay in the office get better be a leader over and over and over again for 17 years this is what we saw Larry Fitzgerald do And I am here to tip my cap If indeed Larry Fitzgerald retires Which all reports indicate That he will Especially with the addition of A.J. Green To the Cardinals Um, Larry we appreciate you here at the sports desk Farewell on a fantastic career I could definitely see uh, Larry Fitzgerald doing some things Maybe for NFL Network or Fox or NBC Or CBS or something like that But when you talk about the greatest ever, don't let too many names go by before you mention Larry Fitzgerald. All right, man, we're going to move along in the show. So we're going to get to the sound of the week, man. And I I, I don't know what it is with athletes and I don't want to call Stephen Air reporter, but he's a. He's a figure. He, he He's a personality out there in the sports world. And what I'm referring to is Stephen A. Smith speaking on Russell Westbrook's, um, you know, just another great triple double by uh, Westbrook earlier in the week. And Stephen A. went out there and said, I can care less. Don't talk to me about Russell Westbrook's triple double stats. He's always come up short. As a player. So I'm going to play a clip of Stephen A responding to pretty much people saying, you know, after hearing Westbrook speak, that, you know, he's not uh, driving into the negativity. He's a champion, the circumstances that he's come from, he works hard each and every day. His wife jumped in as well. And Stephen A took the time to kind of, I guess, respond to those comments. So I'm going to play a small clip of uh, Stephen A.
1: Russell Westbrook's teammates, contemporaries of Russell Westbrook, people in the NBA community, or whatever. I would ask everybody to go back and look specifically at what I've said about Russell Westbrook, not just yesterday, but his track record. What did I say about his track record? This is a sensational athlete, the most athletic point guard in the history of basketball, destined for the Hall of Fame. I said all of those things. But you've come up short. You were with Kevin Durant when you had a 3-1 lead and you lost it to Steph Curry and the Golden State Warriors being up 3-1. Kevin Durant departs. We got on Kevin Durant for leaving you high and dry. The next three years, you get bounced out in five by James Harden in Houston. You get bounced out in six, if I remember, by Donovan Mitchell. You get bounced out in six by Damian Lillard, who not only dropped 50, but waved goodbye to you after hitting that long three over Paul George. That's what happened. Then you go to Houston last year, and what happens? You fall in the playoffs, albeit to the Lakers. That's what transpired. And now you're in Washington D.C. with Bradley Beal, as your uh, somebody turned down because they got an echo in my ear. I'm sorry, but now your teammates with Bradley Beal in Washington D.C. You're 13 games under 500, and everybody wants to talk about your numbers. What I was saying. Mrs. Russell Westbrook, along with Mr. Russell Westbrook, is that you've been so phenomenal with the numbers. We don't care anymore about the numbers. We know what you can do. You won a league MVP averaging a triple-double. The first time that was done since Oscar Robinson did it in 1962. You're averaging a triple-double now. That particular season you won league MVP, you registered like 42 triple-doubles in a season. We know what you can do with the numbers. What about the chip? What about the championship? Because you've been to four conference finals. Now, if this was Zion Williamson, we praising the numbers. If it was Luka, we praising the numbers. If it was somebody that never was on a championship caliber team, we gonna praise the numbers and lament the fact that he's got to carry this shoulder all by himself. That is not Russell Westbrook.
2: Alright, yeah, so that's a small clip from Stephen A and his response to uh Russell Westbrook and uh his R- Westbrook's wife Nina Westbrook after you know Stephen A saying nobody cares. And here's my take on it. Stephen A makes a lot of great valid points about this. I'm a Russell Westbrook fan. I feel like outside of LeBron James, Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan, Shaquille O'Neal. He is the most athletic, Giannis Antetokounmpo, he is the most athletic, freakish um, talent that i ever seen. I mean, his power, his strength, his speed, just so miraculous at the things that he can do on the basketball court. And for him to average a triple-double and win the league MVP and do this now, over the past five seasons, repeatedly. But when you look at the legacy of Russell Westbrook, will it be based on a championship? Will it be based that he didn't get one? Because it doesn't look like Russell Westbrook, at this point in his career, is going to be in a position to win a title. But does it Does it warrant the slander? Does it warrant the, we don't care? Does it warrant, oh, excuse his numbers because he's been in the league Oh, so long. Does it warrant that? And, and I don't think it does. I don't think it does. I think Westbrook has been a point guard. What point guard has been given the, 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 the heaviness, the, the expectation. Who, what, give me one. Who has been given that type of pressure? I mean, we're not talking about magic Johnson here. Isaiah Thomas here. Give me a point guard. Chris Paul, maybe? I can't think of one that has had the, I ain't gonna say unfairness, but I guess when you're as talented night in and night out, and there's many nights that Russell Westbrook has been the best player on the floor. You watch basketball games, you talk about nights nice, when well, he's on the floor with LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Kevin Durant. You can't teach effort. You can't teach strength. You can't teach speed. You can't teach heart. And that's what Westbrook gives. So I'm thinking to myself, Westbrook's response to Stephen A is classic. He's right. Westbrook knows where he is in his career. He knows the opportunities that he's had. But that doesn't warn him being a first ballot Hall of Famer. That doesn't warn him of being a top 50 player of all time, in my opinion. But when we want to throw the championship angle on Westbrook, does he fit the category? We threw the championship angle on Kobe. He couldn't win without Shaq until he did. We threw the championship thing on Kevin Durant. Will he ever win? Because Kevin Durant was veered as the best player, one of the best players in the league. LeBron James, one of the best players in the league. We did that to LeBron. Will he ever win the title? But I think we're reaching. When we say, oh, Russell Westbrook, who cares what you're doing? Putting up phenomenal mentors. You haven't won a ring. When we look back at 3-1 versus the Warriors, Until this week, I've heard nobody put that on Russell Westbrook. That was all Kevin Durant. When we look back at all the conference, the the NBA finals opportunities that they had against the Miami Heat, what do we say? Oh, well, the Heat were just better. The baby thunder, they weren't ready. That's what we hear. But now all of a sudden, I hear from guys who I work with. I hear from my friends like Smooth, our NBA correspondent. No one seems to want to give Russell Westbrook his just due as the as being the great basketball talent that he is. And putting championship expectations on a point guard who have we haven't done that to since Magic Johnson is something that I want to question. All right, so if anybody got anything to say about that and they think I'm tripping, I'm not talking correctly, y'all let me know, but that's just my thoughts. You know, James Harden gets this. Giannis Antetokounmpo gets this. Like, there's there's these, these are the guys, Anthony, these are the guys who gets that pressure on them to win championships, even though Westbrook is a MVP. I understand that, don't get me wrong, I do, but let's keep it real. Russell Westbrook was awarded the MVP, Because he done something that no one ever thought would happen in this modern day of basketball. And that's what it was. And that's what it is. All right, man, let's transfer over, man. So it is WrestleMania week starting this week. Next Sunday is the showcase of the Immortals out in Tampa. We have... So many things that are gonna take place next weekend at WrestleMania, but I just want to go over a few things, man. I just want to, I just want to talk just a little bit about some of my favorite moments at WrestleMania, and, it, and it's 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 an exciting time, and I'm just really really looking forward to. Next weekend uh, Watching Wrestlemania So I'm going to play one of uh, Let's see, let's, let's play a classic Let's play a classic Let's play some Triple H real quick Alright, so I'm going to talk about A few moments as we lead up to Wrestlemania Next Sunday on The WWE Network on Peacock, but um, I got a couple things here that I just want to run through And I was watching some things um, Last week And I was watching Wrestlemania 10 And we all know the birth of Stone Cold Steve Austin was, I think it was WrestleMania, it wasn't 10, I think it was WrestleMania 13, I don't know, forgive me, WrestleMania 13, yeah I think I'm right, WrestleMania 13, well anyway, you had Stone Cold Steve Austin, Bret the Hitman Hart, Bret Hart was turning heel, as a good guy, and Stone Cold was a bad guy turning heel as a bad guy, it was crazy. The narrative of wrestling was changing, and boy did these two superstars put on a match for the ages, ending in one of the most graphic scenes in wrestling history. Bret Hart has Stone Cold in the sharpshooter, blood just, just pouring down his face. In an I quit match, Stone Cold Steve Austin never said he quit and passes out from the pain of the sharpshooter. Well done by both guys. Just an intense moment in WrestleMania history. And I had to be reminded of the lead up, man. How uh, Stone Cold was attacking Bret Hart. And Bret Hart just flipped. He just turned on everything that he was about. And it just made a beautiful, beautiful scene. For WrestleMania. So, y'all go back and check that out. I do believe it was WrestleMania 13, I believe. Stone Coasty Boston, Bretton Hitman Hart, and an I Quit match. Man, I promise you, you'll be entertained. A couple of other key moments for me in WrestleMania history WrestleMania 6, the ultimate. challenge. You have the world. I've spoken this many times. Of course, I have a hoodie with it. One of my favorite moments ever. Got the WWF champion Hulk Hogan, the Intercontinental Champion, the ultimate warrior in a, in a explosive, explosive match, man, in the Toronto. Sky Dome. It was just, just intense. I went back and watched that match uh, just the other day, and boy, what the warrior and, and, and what Hogan were doing was it, it, it's like it haven't been done since. I know we had Rock and we had Austin. I know we had, um, you know, when The Undertaker would, would face Triple H in, in those two years when the street uh, was on the line. But I, I got to keep it real with you, man. Like, it's nothing like seeing that old footage in the Toronto Sky Dome with Hogan and the Ultimate Warrior, title for title, Warrior coming out on top. Holding both titles, fireworks going off. I think it was like 65 or 70,000 folks, man, um, just in that arena to witness that moment, man. So just a very, very dope moment. Moving along, WrestleMania five, the mega powers explode. Top five storyline in wrestling history. Hulk Hogan, Macho Man Randy Savage, Miss Elizabeth in the mix. The builder was great. The match was just a tragedy. Hulk Hogan should have lost to Macho Man, in my opinion. Savage was riding high. But, of course, Hogan had the juice, man. Hogan had the juice, and he reclaimed the WWF Championship. Next up, The streak, man. The streak was broken by Brock Lesnar and WrestleMania 30. When you see the video, you kind of feel like this man is going to kick out. You just feel like this man is going to kick out I'm saying The Undertaker Out of the 20th F5 That he received, man But just a pivotal moment Me, Black, couple of friends of ours uh, Were out at the Buffalo Wild Wings When we witnessed it, man And of course you got the iconic shot of that guy The fan with his eyes poking out of his head Um, (laughs) Just iconic You just You can't beat that That type of energy And even though it sucked it provided a memory that the WWE will have forever. They'll always be able to revisit it. They'll always be able to uh, make a documentary, a movie, even anything, especially with the Undertaker retiring and going off until the sunset as a superstar in the WWE. Um, it's just something that just sticks with you, okay? And my last one that I want to talk about, probably, probably my a top three match for me all time, WrestleMania 26, Hell in a Cell, speaking of The Undertaker, Undertaker, Triple H, Shawn Michaels, the Heartbreak Kid as a special guest referee. And you want to talk about emotions, highs and lows and stomach turning and sweating and nail biting. You just knew that the streak was in danger over and over again. And Triple H at this time was just, um, he was just an assassin in the ring. His energy was unmatched, even not by the Undertaker, in my opinion. If you minus the entrance of The Undertaker and just stick to the ring, Triple H's aura was probably at its peak during WrestleMania 26, in my opinion. I'm talking about Beyond DX and everything. But the moments that that match created during the match, after the match with Undertaker won, I still believe if they were going to break the streak, Triple H should have done it with that sequence with Shawn super kicking, Undertaker, Triple H grabbing him, pedigree 1-2, but there was a kick out. But if you look at the totality of the match, after the match when uh, all three superstars, legends were hugging each other and at the top of the stage and the fans screaming and hollering and clapping and giving their just due, just special moment, special moment. So with WrestleMania on its way, a lot of great matches taking place next weekend. Pretty much, man, uh, an exceptional exceptional event that we are going uh, To get next weekend And just a couple of matches um, That me and Black could be talking about next week Because I believe Wrestlemania will be happening As we're recording next week But you got Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair For the Smackdown Women's Championship Really looking forward with that Bobby Lashley, Drew McIntyre for the WWE Championship um, You also have Braun Strowman And Shane McMahon And the Steel Cage match Looking forward to that You also have uh, uh, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, uh, a dream matchup, so to speak, from the NXT in Japan days. Uh, Big E and Apollo Crews for the Intercontinental Championship, huge. And to me, the two highlighted matches of the end, well, it's three. Bianca and Sasha is one. Second is Reigns, Edge, and Daniel Bryan for the Universal Championship. I got a feeling something's going to happen there. We're going to get a new champion. I really feel that we're going to get a new champion. And last but not least... Probably the most interesting matchup of the night is the return of The Fiend, Bray White against Randy Orton. And boy, we don't get buildups like this. We don't get storylines like this. And and, and, and and now we have one. It's been culminating probably since... I want to say December of 2020, and now we're in April, and we're going to finally get the finale of this rivalry with The Fiend and Randy Orton, and boy, am I looking forward to it. And one more Raw left, one more SmackDown left before WrestleMania, and we'll see what other developments take place. But again, WrestleMania 36, I believe. Uh, Hold on, I want to get this wrong. Is it 36 or 37? WrestleMania 37 April 10th, April 11th, 290 event WWE Network, Tampa, Florida, all my wrestling fans out there. I know y'all are excited like me and can't wait to break down what took place um, after it's all said and done. All right. All right, man. So we're going to move along out of that into what are we going to talk about next? Again, like I said, Black couldn't be here with us today, so I am holding it down. For the guys uh, It's not going to be your typical two hour show um, But we know we're going to get it in So we're about to get into the meat uh, of the show We're going to get ready to get into uh, The National Basketball Association And you know last week me and Black got off We had had enough of the Brooklyn Nets The battle lines were drawn Me and Black got a lot of frustrations Off of our chest And so like my man Black said last week If you ain't riding with Los Angeles Lakers Guess what dog? I do not like you. New sports? That's LeBron James. Le-
0: no, LeBron James. Le- awesome! Good! It's time! Once again! Leg of the
2: fight. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's obvious what's being done out here. It's a nightly basis. I hope the world can see now what's really going on out here. All right, all right. Let's get into it, man. So, of course, last week was the trade, trade deadline for the NBA. and We had, you know, some significant moves. You know, we had, of course, the pickups for the Nets grabbing LaMarcus Aldridge. You had the Clippers uh, grabbing Rajon Rondo. The Lakers grabbing Andre Drummond. Um, some good movement in the league and now that the NCAA tournament is winding down, it is time for the NBA to go into its home stretch. It is time to um, we're getting close and close to the playoffs. Now, this year, the NBA has added um, a, a play in tournament that we saw. In the bubble uh, last year And and I liked it I I liked the play-in tournament I thought it was pretty good And uh, I think the play-in tournaments are ready to be held On May the 18th But really looking forward to um, To seeing how it goes down And I pray to God That the Los Angeles Lakers are not in a play-in game We are taking our lumps right now Due to injury, man But we're still holding on to that number 4 seed but talk about injuries man we were we've been kind of down and now since lebron went down probably about two weeks ago we know ad's been out pretty much the whole season we had drawing go down the other night but thank god it's not a uh, uh crazy injury it's crazy enough that he can't bend his big toe big brooke lopez stepped on his feet against Milwaukee the other night and the toenail came off and you know, my guy was bleeding all over his toes, and my goodness, just a mess. But thank goodness that Andre Drummond is going to be okay. But it's like the Lakers just can't catch a break with injury. And I've been worried this whole season, ever since the bubble ended. I've been worried ever since the bubble ended. And why have why I been worried? Well, we didn't get a full offseason. We literally had a month, month and a half off, and then we were back on Christmas Day. And now you're playing a game every other day. You had a long all-star break, of course, which was much needed. I believe the all-star break was like 10 days or something like that, the longest one the NBA has ever had. But just look around the league. You got Giannis in and out, Paul George in and out, now LeBron's out, Anthony Davis out, Joel Embiid is out. A good, healthy portion of the league's stars have missed time. Steph Curry, like, It's just going on, and Kawhi Leonard's missed time. Just well, he's gonna miss time anyway, in my opinion. Giannis is missed time. Um, well, Kyrie been missing time because who knows why Kyrie Irving is missing time? Who knows why he's missing time? Um, but you know, the Lakers are getting hit the hardest, and I know it's no one feels sorry for the Lakers, no one feels sorry, and that's cool. Uh, we're not asking for y'all to feel sorry for us, but let's be logical thinkers here. Everyone has to acknowledge that this kind of stuff could have potentially happened with the Lakers not having a full offseason. And luckily, AD will be back, LeBron will be back, and Andre Drummond will be, back, will be back, luckily. And with a healthy Los Angeles Lakers team, I don't see nobody beating the Lakers, including the Brooklyn Nets. I just don't see it. Will you have teams out there that stretch the legs for seven games? Of course. Of course you will. But I just can't see a healthy LeBron, a healthy AD getting beat in seven games by anybody in this league when healthy. And I know people say, oh, D, you're a homer. Oh, D, you'll oh, you be all over LeBron. You're waving LeBron. You're right. You're right. Ain't nothing changed. If you don't like what I'm saying right now, you can fast forward probably three minutes, because I'll be done in three <laughs> whole minutes. But honestly, I'm concerned about the injury factor. I'm concerned if my guys can get back and get a groove and and get and get get uh Uh, some cohesiveness, can get some camaraderie going into the playoffs because we all know the playoffs is a different animal. And you got seasoned veterans like LeBron James, 18 years in this league. Anthony Davis has been in this league almost a decade. So you have seasoned guys who know how to come back and uh, probably integrate themselves better than a younger player. But when you look around the league and see what the Clippers are doing in the Western Conference, when you look at what the Utah Jazz are doing in the Western Conference, the Western Conference is stacked, man. The Lakers are currently, thank God, the fourth seed. When LeBron went down, the Lakers were the second seed. But we're currently the fourth seed, but it's only one game that will drag us from fourth to six. And then after that, you got a little cushion with four games that'll get us from four to seven. And it looks like Bron is going to be out maybe another week or two. Now, we got games coming up against Houston. We just played the Clippers. I mean, we got games coming up against the Nets. We just played the Clippers. We just played the Bucks. Like, we ain't catching a break, man, so we got to get some ducks uh, in here to try to get some wins. Like, we got uh, against the uh, Orlando Magic. On Tuesday, we got the Raptors. That's going to be a tough game. On Thursday, we got the Heat. On Saturday, we got the Nets. We got the Knicks. You got the Hornets. It's just not getting easier for the Lakers. You got the Celtics. You got the Jazz on back-to-back nights. You got the Mavs after that. And then we get a break on April 26th. Going until probably final weeks of the season where we got the Magic and the Wizards and the Kings back to back to back. So we'll see exactly uh, what happens there. But man, how soon can we get the King back? We'll see. But across the league, outside of that, across outside the Lakers, man, we got a little issue. Marcus All took to the media and said that he doesn't like his role. It was a tough pill to swallow. Andre Drummond is now a Los Angeles Laker. It's tough to know that you're no longer the A plan or the B plan. You're possibly the C, D, E, or F plan. And when I read these comments and I heard these comments, I literally bust out laughing. Now, Marcus Gasol is a respected player in the National Basketball Association, of course. Former defensive player of the year should have been LeBron's. A great player for the Memphis Grizzlies. High basketball IQ can shoot the basketball real fundamental big man for the Raptors and their championship win just a couple of seasons ago. But Marc Gasol, you are not 26. You're not the league leading rebound getter in the National Basketball Association. You are not the league leader second chance point rebounder. And the National Basketball Association. That, my guy, is Andre Drummond. That's why, Mark, you are coming off of the bench. Now, I'm not saying let's get rid of you, Mark. I compliment all the time and said you have a high offensive IQ. You can shoot a wide open anything. You could pass out the post. And you can run a little point guard when you're at the top of the key. But defensively, you are a massive liability. This is not breaking news. Marcus, all I'm pretty sure you would say this to yourself if you just so happen to hear this. Now, Mark, I love you, man. You're in the purple and gold. And I'm supporting you and I'm rooting for you. But Mark, Mark, you gotta chill. You gotta relax. You can't keep requesting meetings with Coach Frankie. Frankie V ain't really got too much to say to you, Mark, because Andre Drummond is here and he is the addition and the fit that we need in Los Angeles. Now, Mark, you'll be called upon when we gotta guard the Joker. We need you, big fella. When we got a guard, uh, the Nurkic, we need you, big fella. You're going to be utilized in the playoffs, but it's not at the utilization that you would like to be, Marcus So, Mark, I need you to keep your chin up and I need you to keep your head held high. You in La La Land, man. You in Los Angeles. You with the King. You with AD. You got to relax a little bit. It'll all pay off and the Lakers become back to back world champions this season so Mark I ain't dissing you man but I want to help you realize a couple of things once again you're not 26 you're not the league rebound getter and you're not the league second chance point rebound getter as well that is your new teammate Andre Drummond all right all right man so let's move along Kevin Durant Oh, let me take a sip of this wine before I talk about Kevin Durant. Now, how often do we have to have this conversation? How often do we have to discuss things like this, Kevin? You wonder why you are not regarded in the same conversation off the court as LeBron James, as Cristiano Ronaldo, as Thomas Edward Patrick Brady Jr., Peyton Kenneth Manning, Patrick Mahomes. You wonder why. You wonder why, well, Kevin, I'm here to tell you again the reason why. Now, somebody in Kevin Durant's uh, 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 camp or team, they need to take his phone. They just need to take his phone. They need to restrict Kevin Durant from social media. In my lifetime, well, in the lifetime of social media, I have never seen an athlete with the thinnest amount of skin As Kevin Durant. And I know y'all know what I'm talking about already. Of course, earlier in the week, last week, Kevin Durant was at it again. But this time, he got exposed, which I don't agree with, (laughs) by Michael Rappaport, uh, uh, actor, comedian. Now he's into the sports journalist world, part of the big three. Y'all know who Rappaport is. Y'all've seen him all week long. And I don't agree with Rappaport's way of snitching so to speak or rolling out conversations between him and kevin durant and maybe rapaport had just had enough i'm not saying that you know you you can't have you know you just can't you can't be sick to your stomach and pissed off you say you know you ain't gonna do something to make somebody feel like i'm, I'm not necessarily saying that i disagree <laughs> with it but durant you'll never be regarded as lebron james why because of this Kevin Durant, you are worth over quadrillion three billion dollars. You are regarded as one of the best basketball players in our lifetime in the history of the National Basketball Association. But you repeatedly go after different personality here a guy who lives in his mom's basement in Vermont there, a guy who works for a local Channel 36 News station in Portland, Oregon. Here, you constantly feel the need to validate somebody else's opinion, and it ain't right. You can't do this time and time again and expect to get respect. Now, Kevin Durant, you seem like you a cool dude, man. You, You seem like you cool to hang out with kick it with you know have a good time i mean you seem like a cool dude man but it's like every time i flip my phone on or turn on my tv there you are again you got busted on your burner accounts you got busted going at Rappaport. you got busted going at some guy who lives in his mom basement in vermont kevin durant this is why the lakers are going to win in two games This is why! Cause you ain't focused! You worried about Michael Rappaport! Why? Michael Rappaport should not be nowhere in your radius especially at this point in the season. What you need to be worried about is that hamstring. What you need to be worried about is getting in physical condition. And what you need to be worried about is losing the NBA Finals, not winning the ring after putting this subpar super team together. That's what you need to be worried about, Kevin Durant. Because Michael Rappaport... It's going to have a lovely time in just a couple of months. You want to know why? It's not at the expense of you personally, KD. It's the fact that you would have fallen once again. And Durant, we know what you did in Golden State. And it's no need to even conversate about that because we know what you were working with. Even though I don't blame you or disagree or anything about you playing for the Warriors. You were a free agent and that was your right. But everything that's going on in Brooklyn, Brooklyn, it's not looking like things are going that well. Who's the leader of this team in Brooklyn? It can't be you, Kevin Durant, because to the young players, they get on their phones, their TVs, and they see this type of behavior. LeBron James is not a part of that. Chris Paul is not a part of that. What's, what's some other great leaders in the national basketball? Giannis Antetokounmpo is not a part of that. Faces of the franchise are not a part of that. It's guys with a mindset like yourself and Paul George who constantly stay in the conversations of negativity and why? You don't have to be. You don't have to be. You get paid a lot of money to do something that you love and you do something and you get paid to do something that you're very, very good at. Probably the one of probably the greatest scorer ever depends who you're talking to, but we see you calling Rappaport out his name in a in a derogatory, disgusting way, and then you get up on the pony up and give a halfway apology, and then the NBA fines you 50k. Who cares? Who cares about that? Kevin Durant, focus on basketball. Don't focus on being regarded like LeBron James because you never will be. Don't be focused on being regarded as Thomas Edward Patrick Brady Jr., Cristiano Ronaldo, Serena Williams, some of the GOATs of their sports. You won't be considered that because you're always in some juvenile, teenage, ridiculous rhetoric. And I'm sick of it, bro, because it's unnecessary. Now, if you're going at another player, I'm entertained by that. Is it contradicting? No, it is not. Because this is somebody in your profession. This is somebody who knows exactly what basketball is all about, Kevin Durant. But you don't do that. You continue to beef with a kid that lives in his mom's basement in Vermont. And you beef with Michael Rappaport. Kevin Kevin Durant, I don't know what this is going to prove, my guy. But reevaluate and focus on your hamstring. And focus on being the leader to your team. And if you just so happen to hear this, L. Higgs Jr., Believe it or not, it's a fan. I love to watch you play. Matter of fact, every time you're on TV, minus LeBron, I'm watching you. But this stuff like this, you got to admit, KD, you bugging. you out of your mind. Get it together. This don't look good on you, my guy. Focus on the task at hand. Because in a couple of months when you lose in the NBA Finals, the narrative will be alive again. And I'll be the first one to speak on it. Tighten up, KD. Tighten up. <laughs> All right, man. Let's see what we got. What we got. Hey, this reduced lunch sports, man. Come on, now.
0: You're listening to the sports show. New sports guests.
2: All right, man. So we're going to transition out of the Kevin Durant situation. And we're going to talk about Space Jam the movie. That's right. Space Jam 2. The preview dropped this past weekend. And I thought it was glorious. I thought it was magnificent. I thought it was one of the greatest previews of a movie that I ever saw. (laughs) But a bunch of you out there, you beg to differ. Now I'm laying in my bed on a beautiful Saturday morning, getting ready to get up and take over the day and hang out with my family and just enjoy what a beautiful Saturday it was. And right on schedule, our college football correspondent, Cedric Farr, rattles my cage at a slight tweet that read specifically, Space Jam 2 trailer, blah. And I'm like, bro, it's nine in the morning. And I got to deal with this from Koppel. And not only Koppel, I got to deal with it from other folks on the Twitter. It was a two-minute preview and we dissed in the movie? Now we know the allegiance to Michael Jeffrey Jordan that is out here in this world. It is unquestioned the loyalty that the, 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 the Michael Jordan faithful has for him. And Space Jam 1 is a classic. I love it. I'm not even here to compare the two because I don't think you can. Of course, you're going to be put in a position to have to do it. But I'll never compare the two. These are clearly two different movies in two different lifetimes. I believe the first Space Jam came back out in like 95 or 96. And Space Jam 2 was out in 2021. My God, is that not almost 30 years? But on schedule, the hateful LeBron James and the new Space Jam is on display. I don't get it. The story doesn't look compelling. What's going on? Oh, where are the monsters? oh where's this oh where's that like bro like when things evolve like the world does and technology does this is what you get the storyline is completely different michael jordan's space jam was based on michael this is a story being told in space jam 2 let's give it a chance it looked it great. You've seen uh, Dame Lillard and Clay Thompson and Diana Taurasi and and Anthony Davis. You just seen the star power and their unique ways. Don Cheeto playing the villain in here. LeBron and his son, and of course you have the cast of characters and the Looney Tunes with added additions. My God, it's so you saw Fred Flintstone in there. You saw uh, 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 Kong, and I mean, my God. Just so much different variety that we saw in just a two-minute preview. But we're already dissing it? Come on, man. Let's give it a fair shake. Space Jam looks like it's going to be great. My son saw the preview who was six years old, and he looked at the preview. And after the preview went off, he looked at me and he shook his head like, Daddy, yeah, I need to be in there for that. I need to be in there for that. And we will be. Whether it's a movie theater or HBO Max, space jam 2 will be played shout out to lebron spring hill ent everybody who had everything to do with that movie coming out this july i believe looking forward uh to seeing the film but my god y'all pump your brakes you don't gotta hate just chill relax i guarantee you this movie is gonna do very very well All right, man, so we're going to transition out of the National Basketball Association and we're going to take our energy over to the National Football League. All right, all right, all right. Let's get into it, man. The National Football League. Uh, Of course, coming up, man. Coming up is the NFL Draft taking place um, this April, of course. Uh, Well, we are in April, later this month, so to speak. Let me get the NFL Draft date in front of us. I think it's like the 27th or something like that. But I think this year is, man, how can I say this? This year is probably... Man, I can't think of a draft I looked at I looked forward to more than this one. I I, I can't think of one, man. Like and the reason being because of the storylines, because of what's happening at the top of the draft with the trades and everything and the maneuvering and the, the possibility of five quarterbacks going in the top 5 picks and then you got guys like Kyle Pitts that are running around out there and Waddle and and, and, uh, and Smith out of Alabama and Najee Harris and Etienne. Of course, you got Trevor Lawrence going to uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars with the number one pick. Just a lot of things going on that, for the first time in a while, the NFL draft is mingling to what's going on with the NFL players. And here's what I mean by that. You've had a lot of quarterback movement take place. You had Breeze retire. Um you had the Russell Wilson debacle that he could have been potentially traded along with Dak Prescott. I mean, you've had uh a lot of things uh take place at the quarterback uh position, Deshaun Watson's potential move from Houston to somewhere else, the Jimmy Garoppolo conversation, the Sam Darnold conversation. There's just a lot of storylines in the NFL that are that that's it's it's just blending in with the NFL draft because Teams like the San Francisco 49ers are ready to win now. They went to the Super Bowl two years ago. They suffered a relentless amount of injuries last season. But they're getting Jimmy Garoppolo back healthy. But, then they're, but the 49ers, it seems like they're not all in on Garoppolo, man. They're going to be in the position to take a quarterback you know, with that third pick now. So it's a lot of interesting things going on. And the draft taking place Thursday, April 29th, running all the way through Saturday, May the 1st. So it's just a lot. Um, it's a lot going on there, but just a couple of topics I do want to highlight uh, that took place this week in the NFL, and of course it's the Pro Days. Um, you had, you know, we're going to talk about a few of them. We're going to stop by Tuscaloosa, man, in Alabama, man, and we all know the pipeline, the chain of talent that's out there in uh, Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Um, y- you got, you got potentially. I think, I think they have like five or six first-rounders this year. I mean, of course, you got, you know, Mac Jones and Devontae Smith and and Waddle and and Najee Harris and just a lot of talent that's out there, man. Uh, certain a magnificent defensive back that I wouldn't mind my Cowboys grabbing, but it's just the talent there. They're going to just, they're just going to outshine in the draft every other school, in my opinion, in the first round, and they do this year in and year out. But the potential of Mac Jones being drafted third overall to the San Francisco 49ers is something um, is something that I'm not ready to think about. Even though Mac Jones had a fantastic year, I believe he had the highest QBR in college football last year, undefeated season, national champion, was invited to the Heisman. Could have even won the Heisman if it wasn't for Devontae Smith's um, overachieving season at the wide receiver position where you just kind of had to give it to Devontae Smith. But any other year, Mac Jones would have been the Heisman winner. But I'm not sure if he's a third pick in the NFL draft. And here's why I say that. He was blessed with an immense amount of talent. A, 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 A variety of players that on a good day Anywhere else Me at quarterback would shot <laughs> That's right If De'Andre Higgs Jr. was a quarterback Of the Alabama Crispin Tide this season I too would have been in the Heisman conversation I too would have been considered the third pick overall And I too would have been a national and SEC <laughs> champion I'm not disrespecting Mac But what did we see specifically That will warrant him being the third pick overall What did we see specifically that would rival him being picked after Trevor Lawrence. What did we see specifically? We know he had a lot of talent, great coaching. We know he had opportunities to shine and he took advantage of those. But the one thing that's leaving me on, not on pause, but that's giving me optimism on, optimism on Matt Jones possibly being the number three overall pick is his QBR. Matt Jones did things at quarterback in college football this year that Trevor Lawrence did not do, that Zach Wilson did not do, that Justin Fields did not do. And that's the thing that I'm holding on to that gives me probable cause to pause about saying, you know what? Why not take him at number three? He was in the SEC. SEC is still heavily regarded as the best conference in college football. Due to the circumstances with COVID this year, it was tough. Tough season overall. Tough. But for them to go undefeated, SEC title, national title, Heisman finalist, highest QBR in college football, he does deserve a look at number three. He does deserve a look at possibly number two. He does deserve a look at four or five or wherever else in the first round he goes. But I do want to say, when you talk about National Football League quarterbacks, you deal with coverages, you deal with speed, you deal with a lot of things that test your talent right away. Look at what Tua Tagliava is going through out of Alabama. This kid checks all the boxes, in my opinion. Is he a little short? Okay, cool. Is his arm not the strongest? Okay, cool. But the kid's a winner. The kid's a winner. The kid was injured a couple of times. Okay, cool. But it was 6-2. As a starter for the Miami Dolphins. But people are ready to say, oh, trade him away for Deshaun Watson. Oh, if you're the Dolphins, why did you move out of three? You should have took a real hard look at grabbing Mac Jones, Trey Lance, or Justin Fields. So what are you, what are you supposed to do with that? You got Tua Tagliovic, who was lights out and way better than Mac Jones at Alabama. But now Mac Jones is getting the chance to be the third overall pick in this draft. Somebody help me understand. <laughs> But I will say his QBR and his big play passes and big time moments. They were up there. And he does deserve the look. But will he pan out three overall? I guess we'll have to wait and see. So I'm basically saying in less than two to three weeks, you can hear Mac Jones' names being called at number three to the San Francisco 49ers. And then what? And then what? Can't wait to see how that unfolds. All right, man, we're going to go to the University of Florida. The Florida Gators had their pro day, and there's only one name there. It's Cal Trask. The conversation of Cal Trask is very, very interesting. This is a generational talent at his position. This man possesses a skill set that is rare, that is unique, and that is head-scratching because a man that big shouldn't move that fast, shouldn't jump that high, shouldn't dominate like he dominated. And there's a bunch of teams who can use this guy. You got Cincinnati in the top 10, Dallas at 10, Giants at, uh, I think, 11. There's a lot of teams, the Jets. The, I mean, it's a lot of teams that can use them. I mean, would even somebody like the 49ers at like number three say, you know what? Let's match up Pitts with Kittle, and let's get dangerous out here. That's a that's a significant opportunity there. Significant opportunity there for the San Francisco, San Francisco 49ers. But wherever Cal Pitts goes, he will shine. And I know my guy Koppel is out there nervous that, God, I hope he's not a bust. I just don't see it. The only way this guy could be a potential bust is that the money, And the fame gets to his head and it drowns him out of the NFL. I haven't heard any reports about this guy potentially being a problem in any way, shape or form at the University of Florida. I don't see it happening in the National Football League. When you play like this kid plays and you're as dominant as he has been, you love the game. And when I watch Cal Pitts, I see that he loves the game. And I see that he has something to prove. And if the Jacksonville Jaguars didn't need a quarterback and Trevor Lawrence wasn't available, I would scream to my lung cords burst and say, Jaguars draft Kyle Pitts with the number one pick overall. Because his talent is that special. So his pro day was just icing on the cake. Pro days don't mean anything, pro days are pageantry shows. It's like Miss America. Miss USA, it's nothing spectacular about a pro day. People who in Holland say, oh, my God, Zach Wilson didn't miss a pass at his pro day. Well, yes, of course, there wasn't a safety barreling down in his face at any point. Of that pro day. Oh Justin Fields. My God. He is much faster than we thought. He is going to present Parados in the national football league. Of course you say that during this pro day. Because there wasn't Khalil Mack or Aaron Donald staring in his neck. Ready to rip him limb from limb. So don't get me wrong. It's a beauty show to watch these pro days. It's fun to watch. I'll admit that. But they prove and they mean absolutely nothing. So when you see Cal Pitts at his pro day, you're looking at something that's unnecessary. <laughs> because we saw him throughout the season at Florida. And we saw what it cost the Florida Gators when they decided not to play him against the LSU Tigers and Brad Johnson Jr. The Gators lost. And y'all know like I know, if Pitts was on the field, the Gators would not have lost that game. But they did. But when Kyle Pitts gets to the National Football League, he will be unleashed even more. Because when you're gifted and you're big and you're strong and you're fast like him, the sky's the limit. And I just hope the young man is on his toes and focused because he could potentially, potentially be the greatest tight end to ever play this game. Just off ability alone. All right, man, let's go down. Let's go up, excuse me, to Columbus, Ohio. to where the Buckeyes reside. Justin Fields. Justin Fields had his pro day and it looked very good with no one in front of him. He <laughs> looked very good at running in a straight line for the 40 with no one in front of him. But Justin Fields has a lot of questions. We saw what he did versus Clemson and hooray. Is it a thing where he gets up for the big games and that's it? Or are we going to get more of what we saw when Justin Fields played Northwestern? Or we're going to get more of Justin, the Justin Fields that we saw versus. Indiana What Who And what Is the real Justin Fields Who There's questions there That need to be answered And unfortunately Those questions Cannot be answered Until this man Is drafted And playing in the National Football League But there's one thing About Justin Fields That I see That I don't see With Zach Wilson That I don't see With Trey Lance That I don't see with any other quarterbacks outside of Trevor Lawrence, Mac Jones, and Cal Trask. I see a guy whose skill set could make him a top five quarterback in the National Football League. I see a guy who can throw it beautifully, strong on, and throw it deep. I see a guy who's great with his legs, who's quick, who's elusive who can fall forward every time and get that first down. I see a kid with immense talent, most talent in this draft outside of Trevor Lawrence and Kyle Pitts. Yeah, that's what I see. But the one thing about the NFL that you can't get away with like you got away with in the Big Ten It's one week you're going to face the Kansas City Chiefs, and then the following week you're going to face the Dallas Cowboys, and the week after that you're going to face the Baltimore Ravens, and the week after that you're going to play the Buffalo Bills. It's not like in the Big Ten when one week you got Rutgers, Maryland, you squeeze in maybe a top 25 Michigan State team, and then you close out the season against maybe a top five Michigan team. It's not like that. The Big Ten is a conference where those players come to the NFL and they get a rude awakening. In my opinion, the Big Ten is a hard-hitting lead, but that's about it. When you look at that conference from top to bottom, it's not much eliteness there in the football world. You got some schools who come around every now and then, they're pretty good, Michigan State and Penn State. But Ohio State is the, the main attraction and they are consistently doing it. And that's all. It's not Michigan. It's not Purdue. It's not Northwestern. It's not Indiana. It's the Buckeyes. And what Justin Fields has to realize, and I hope he does, and I hope he's getting it in his head and, and getting prepared for this, that if you go to a team like the Atlanta Falcons or if you go to the Carolina Panthers, wherever you go, one week you're going to be looking at Tom Brady. And the very next week you're going to be looking at Patrick Mahomes. And the very next week you're going to be looking at Aaron Rodgers and Josh Allen, and Lamar Jackson, all the elite talent in the league. Aaron Donald will be staring you right in your face. Khalil Mack will be rushing you from the left and the right side. So Justin Fields, my question is for him: that can he be consistent in the National Football League? Because when I see him struggle against Indiana and Northwestern, and he then he goes and shines against Clemson, it gives me pause. It gives me an opportunity to really ask myself. Is Justin Fields going to be a bus in the National Football League? I think the question is fair. And really, really think about it. Go back at what he did this year and what your eyes saw and think about what he has coming up in the National Football League. And maybe you'll understand just exactly what I mean by that. All right, man. So that kind of wraps up the National Football League. So we're leading up to the draft. So each week we're going to be talking about – A different player or different players, different news that comes out about the draft. We're going to have a draft special. Shout out to Rashad Robinson, our football correspondent, Freddie Bricks. He's going to be in the building for the draft as well. Of course, Black and myself will be here as well. Okay. So, you know, a lot of stuff coming up with the draft. Very exciting time. One of the most anticipated drafts that I could consider in a long time because both worlds are blending. You have everything that's going on in the NFL. And everything that's going on with the prospects coming into the lead that's entering into this year's draft, I think it's fascinating. And I'm looking forward to see how everything plans out. Okay, All right, man. So that's pretty much going to wrap up everything. Like I said, this was not going to be your traditional show, I'm holding it down solo, Black couldn't be here today, so I didn't have nobody to bounce off anything with, it was kind of last minute, but we made it work man, and we just wanted to give you guys something to hold you over throughout the week, man, Black could be uh, dropping that uh, 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 wrestling nostalgic episode this week, man, we're going to be doing a lot of things, uh, reminiscing about the old days, NWO and Stone Cold and Hulk Hogan and Sting and Randy Savage and John Cena and The Rock. We're going to be re- reminiscing on, on superstar highlighted shows, man, from our time. And we think it would be a good listen for all those who are interested in the nostalgic era of wrestling, the Attitude Era, the WCW Nitro Era, and that, all that, the Monday Night Wars and so forth and so on, okay? Before I get out of here, I do want to mention uh, one last thing. Uh, kind of like uh, my last good minute, so to speak, before we get into other news. And I do want to talk about this whole MMA pain, how how the MMA fighters are getting paid versus how boxing is getting paid. And I just have one small thing to say. Of course, y'all have seen Jon Jones, you know, rightfully so want to get paid more than 8 to $10 million to face Francis Ngannou and rightfully so. You hear a lot of people coming out in the MMA world, in the UFC in particular, talking about getting paid, getting paid, getting paid. Here's one thing that I realized over the week, that the UFC is the premier organization in mixed martial arts. It's not Bellator. It's not one championship. It's not bare knuckle uh, champion. It's not none of those. It's the UFC. And the UFC holds the cards to opening up the piggy bank, the purse, the wallet, the bank account, so to speak, for these fighters. And I applaud John Jones for taking a stand. Everybody's not Conor McGregor, and Conor McGregor is bringing something to the table. He has a very lucrative whiskey, Proper 12. You see it everywhere. Conor McGregor made $45 million in the loss to Dustin Poirier this past, um, not this past summer, I guess earlier this year in January. Conor McGregor is going to make another 45 to $60 million when he fights Poirier again this July 10th. Why? Because he's bringing something to the table. But what about the fighters that don't bring nothing to the table? They just bring their heart. They just bring their guts, their sweat, their tears, their work ethic. Like John Jones, Francis Ngannou, Stipe Miotic, Max Holloway. We could go on and on and on about the great fighters of this sport, Amanda Nunez. And, and so forth and so on. When will the UFC pay these people what they're worth? Well, the day that they pay them is when all these great fighters get together and take a stand. And say, we will not fight unless these uh, demands are met. And he can't tell me it won't work. Because if John Jones, Amanda Nunes, Francis Ngannou, Steve Miocic, the big stars of the UFC say, we ain't fighting until we get what we deserve, then guess what Dana White and the UFC are going to have to do? They're going to have to pay these fighters like they deserve to be paid. And enough with the humble brag. Oh, I'm just so glad to be in the UFC. Enough for that. You earn your spot there. You earned the best in the world there. And now these guys should be compensated like it. Everybody can't be Croner McGregor. Croner McGregor struck gold. He made $117 million facing Floyd Mayweather. He hit gold with proper tour, the number one whiskey in the world. In the world! He's pulling over 100 million dollars yearly due to the success of this whiskey, but all these other fighters who don't have that opportunity, they deserve the opportunity. John Jones should be getting paid 25 to 30 million dollars a fight. Amanda Nunes should be paid 25 to 30 million dollars a fight. Sipe Miotic, Francis Ngannou, Kamal Usman, Israel Adesanya—these fighters should be getting boxing money. They should, but they don't. And I see cringy reports of what some of these guys are making in the UFC and it's sad so the only way it's going to change is if, the fighters, if these fighters get together and they force the change all right all right man so we're gonna get into some other news and then I am going to get out of here man um hope you guys enjoyed uh me doing it kind of Cowherd style today um, but Black will be back in next week. We might drop another show this week as well. But like I said, just want to put we want to put something out there for you guys to listen to. Uh, with everything that happened uh in the sports world this past week. But let's get into some other news, man. We get out. All right, here we go. Here we go. All right, what we got? Oh wait a minute. Okay, here we go. All right, so we got the great Roy. Williams man retiring from college basketball. This is kind of unexpected because I didn't hear anything about Royal Williams retiring, but he retired this past week. One of the all-time winningest coaches in men's basketball history. Elite program like the North Carolina Tire Heels where he uh coached earlier. He came from Kansas and then he went to North Carolina, won a few championships, regarded as one of the best ever. Tip of the cap. To Coach Roy Williams, he was super swagged out on the sidelines this year, wearing a lot of heat that we can't get our hands on, and uh, some stuff he was wearing before it even released, like those University ones. He had on some uh, North Carolina 21, 21s, um, threes, fours. I mean, he was just swagged out this season. But more importantly, you know, Roy Williams seems to be. Respected on all levels, revered as a basketball coach, a mentor, and a teacher. So, we just want to uh, tip our caps and salute to a great career coach. Uh, you'll be missed on the college basketball ranks, and maybe we'll see him in the media somewhat um, in the future. But, just want to tip our cap to the great Roy Williams, who's retiring from the North Carolina Tar Heels in college basketball. All right, more college basketball news. Luca Garza. Regarded as one of the best college basketball players all year long, Uh, Luca Garza won the National Player of the Year this year. Kind of, kind of hand. I mean, it's not a shocker. Think K Cunningham should have got some looks, but uh, Garza just came out the gate so strong, and I guess the award is deserved. We'll see what awaits um, Mr. Garza on the next. Level Drew Holiday got a big extension from the uh, Milwaukee Bucks. Didn't see this one coming, but Drew signed a big 143 million dollar deal. Could end up being 160. He's getting paid by the Bucks. Drew is one of the most underrated point guards in the league. One of the best defending point guards in the league. He can score the basketball as well. Happy for Drew Holiday getting that extension in Milwaukee. Get them checks, huh? Alright Boogie Cousins On a 10 day contract To go to the Los Angeles Clippers And man it's crazy just saying that At one point in time Boogie revered as The best big man in basketball Just 5 years ago Injury after injury after injury Now has him on a 10 day contract Man it's just Just crazy man but I'm a Boogie fan I root for Boogie Won't be rooting for him while he's playing for the Clippers That's for sure But I just hope good comes out of this form, man, because Boogie never got paid. He never got his just due, and hopefully he'll get that, man. So just we'll see how it turns out for Boogie. All right. Uh, Let's see. Conor McGregor, Dustin Poirier, three is official. July 10th, going down. Looks like that fight might be in Las Vegas. Um, If they're going to be having fans, look, they will be. The country is opening up little by little by little. Um, But Conor McGregor. Dustin Poirier 3, July 10th, is going to be a massive event. This is a legacy fight for Conor. I think it is, personally. He got knocked down in devastating fashion to Dustin Poirier back in January. A lot of people don't think Conor has it. They think he's rich and he's paid and his attention isn't to fighting, but McGregor says it's not the case. So we really, 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 really want to see if McGregor went and did what he had to do to um, revamp his game and... Try to get a win against a very, very good Dustin Poirier man, who's going to be game and Poirier wants that championship. He wants a big payday, and I think I think the elements are there for a fantastic night when those two gentlemen fight for the third time. All right, and last but not least, man, uh, Anderson Silva versus Julio Chavez 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 Jr. A boxing exhibition that'll be taking place in Mexico. Uh, Anderson Silva was formally not released, but his contract wasn't renegotiated with the UFC and he always wanted the box and now he gets his opportunity against Julio Chavez Jr. And I just don't know how it's gonna go. <laughs> I just don't know how it's gonna go. I just I just hope Anderson don't get his block knocked off uh in that fight, man. Okay? All right, man. So that's pretty much gonna do it for the show today. Um, again, Black was not here today, so I held it down for the squad. Appreciate all you guys' love and your support, and listening to us week in and week out, and commenting and chopping it us with us, chopping it up with us on Twitter. We got a lot more content coming your guys' way. NFL draft shows coming up, more uh, superstar highlighted shows, and in, in, in the wrestling world coming up. So just a lot of more content coming from you guys in the sports desk. So. Appreciate you guys listening. This has been episode 109. I'm Desiree L. Hicks Jr. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at that handle. Shout out to NPN Network. Shout out to the team Reduce Lunch. Go check out everything that the guys are doing, the gang is doing, man. We're doing a lot, making a lot of noise here in the city of Jacksonville and in the state and in the the country and hopefully in the world. uh, We're making that noise out there. So shout out to the team. But until next time, y'all be cool. Y'all be safe. Y'all take care of yourselves. And, we we'll see you in a couple of days, man. A'ight Are you ready to go? Are you ready
0: to go? Are you ready to go? Are you ready to go?
2: Are you ready to go? Ready to go? no, no, no No, 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 no. Hey, this lunch Spons, man. Come on, now. So,
1: You're listening to The Sports Show.